Welcome back to Mind Rolling. I'm Raghu Marcus with David Silver, my partner in crime here. And today uh, we have a delight. David and I, as many of you out there know, we worked together in the music business for many years, a long time back. And um, we had the pleasure of working with many, many extraordinary uh, musicians and also uh, working with people who were involved with sacred music. And uh, so we don't get a lot of chance, do we, Dave, to really talk to any of the kind of people we used to work with. But today we do. And we're going to be talking to someone. um, Actually, I have never met except on Skype. But David has and has spent time with her. And her name is Jonavi Harrison. Welcome, Jonavi. Thank you so much. Yes, so great to have you. Uh, I met uh, Jonavi uh, two and a half years ago uh, when she was playing violin with with uh, the late and hugely lamented Shamdas, and um, she, I'd never met her and walked in the, the studio, the yoga studio we were working with that Shamdas was in, and sat down and played and it was just sublime and immediate and flowing Mm -hmm. and Shamdas adored you uh, as he told me in the car the very crazy car ride we always took afterwards (laughs) and said isn't she just great and I said yes absolutely and she's also English she's also English (laughs) (laughs) so welcome Janabi we're so thrilled thank you thank you it's an amazing thing also to be in Three different time zones simultaneously having this call. <laughs> no, two. Two. Aren't you in New York, uh, David? David's yeah. in New York, but I'm. Where do you think I am? I thought you were in L.A. No, I'm. Where in, are you? I'm in North Carolina. Oh. Asheville, okay. North. You ever hear of Asheville, North Carolina? Asheville, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and we'd okay. love to have you here one day too, because there's a huge Kirtan community here in Asheville, big mm. time. Mm. Big time. So um, let's talk a little bit first. The record is called uh, Like a River to the Sea. Yes. And uh, and we're going to play a track from it shortly. But um, I just want to talk about, you know, your very unusual uh, upbringing in, mm. uh, in, in England and how you got connected uh, to the soul of this music that you uh, that you have put out on this CD. So, talk a little bit about your uh, your earliest memories around um, hearing the name, shall we say? Mm. Yeah. Well, I guess I should say first that growing up, I did I was not aware that I was having such an unusual upbringing. Oh, it was yeah. just what I knew, and it, I only realized it was quite different from what most people experience when I came out of that very um, sheltered world of uh, uh, basically growing up in a spiritual community, um, uh, more or less a, a temple uh, place called Bhaktivedanta Manor, um, which is a like a mock Tudor mansion um, just outside of North London, has about 80 acres of beautiful grounds. And it was donated by George Harrison in the in the 70s to the Hare Krishna movement uh, as a as a gift because they they had no place to to make a, a temple and have a home. So um, 
I was born, uh, you know, just 87 and near the end of the 80s. And um, at that time, there weren't that many children in the community. There were there were a few of us. Um, but then over the subsequent years, many more came and we already had a, a primary school as part of the community. So I, I went to that primary school, um, which was also not a regular type of school. I mean, our day started... Uh, around seven in the morning, we would come to the temple for the morning RT and, you know, worship. And then we would have uh, a special class, a, sc- a special scripture class and, and do some meditation together, just the children by, by themselves and have breakfast. And then our school day would start. And even then, all, all of our regular subjects would be um, really interwoven with uh, bhakti yoga teachings. So, you know, alongside our mass geography, English, all these type of subjects, we would be learning verses from the Bhagavad Gita and um, discussing, I guess, some quite deep subjects for four and five year olds. Again, I didn't realize till I went to I, I, I later went to regular school and I I, I, I felt I had what I what I thought of as Gita glasses on, you know, you see everything with this very kind of philosophical perspective of life and death and reincarnation and you know i realized okay kids are not really thinking about that kind of thing um but it was a very it was a very uh idyllic childhood really we had um so much um exposure to music and dance you know that music and dance were part of our everyday life and we would go in the temple and we would um, we would sing and, and lead some of the services, particularly in the middle of the day. That was, you know, when the children would come and, and sing. Um, and uh, after school, we would go down. There were there were uh, cows there, a farm. We would go and play with the cows or play in the forest and um, just be part of the, the temple life, this kind of uh, rural life. It was it was very beautiful. Like Braj, sounds like, in India. Sorry? Sounds like Braj in India. Well, the, the community is called, uh, the place is, is Bhaktivedanta Manor, but it's also known as Nugokul. So it, it, it has that feeling, yeah. It has that feeling of Vrindavan. People always say, you know, when they, when they enter that road coming down and they drive down, there's a long winding road onto the property through the fields. And you start seeing the cows and you just have this feeling that you're coming into this very sacred atmosphere. Hmm. So it's it's very special. So your parents, were they in India uh, uh, and, and with uh, A.C. Bhaktivedanta? Um, actually, uh, not exactly. My mom is Canadian. That's why I have a kind of mixed oh. accent. Uh-huh. So my I was mom's wondering. From, yeah, everyone always asks. So my mom is Canadian. She's from Winnipeg. And um, she originally was born in a Jewish family. And, uh, but she was, very, she was a very spiritual person. She was really questioning. And um, she went traveling around the world when she was 18, kind of doing the same, you know, the magic bus from Greece to, that a lot of people did. And she actually visited Vrindavan, but she didn't know she didn't know so much about it. She didn't meet the Hare Krishna devotees at that time. But she later joined in Chicago and then ultimately came to England. And my dad was uh, from a very small, very rural part of England called Cornwall. 
and he uh, left home when he was 17, kind of looking for, looking for life and answers. And he met the Hare Krishnas at a pop festival, and that was it. They invited him to Bhaktivinanta Manor, and he's still serving there uh, about 40 years on. Wow. Nice. So, so, so they were both part of it um, for a long time before they had chil- they, before they got married or had children. So we were really, yeah, they were very much established in that kind of a lifestyle by the time we came. Mm. So, um, both David and I, our our relationship to the movement is my earliest memories of first getting before I met Ramdas and uh, mm-hmm. any of that. I think the. It would be second to Mayor Baba. I heard about Mayor Baba only because I liked uh, his. He had that beautiful face and uh, be happy. You know, I wanted mm. to be happy. And the only other thing that I remember back then was going to the Hare Krishna Temple in Montreal, where I'm from. Oh and, yeah. Uh, still in the same place. It's still in the same place. You're kidding. I, I was just there last year. Apparently, oh. it's the same. <laughs> oh for God's sake. Um, <laughs> And uh, I just, I had heard about the mantra, Mm. Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Ram, Hare Ram, Ram Ram, Hare Hare, so everybody knows what we're talking about here. Mm. Um, I'd heard that from Allen Ginsberg, and I trusted Allen Ginsberg implicitly. (laughs) Two things, one was that, and one was pot. He said, pot is great, and so is the Maha Mantra. (laughs) So I was in like Flynn, as far as I was concerned. So I went over to do that. And what drew me back Sunday after Sunday was the food. Mm. The food was phenomenal. Right, David? Mm. I mean... The best. (laughs) (laughs) New York. I I went to the New York. um, I made a film there in 1970. Oh. The guy who was the the head of it was, Mm. uh, before that, he was a member of Andy Warhol's factory and was uh, one of those... um, Strange people who who worked with Andy, and he went from the uh, sublime to the ridiculous, or the ridiculous to the sublime, really, and, mm-hmm. and became a, a higher Christian. But I met Prabhupada Bhaktivedanta uh, for ten minutes on Eighth Street <laughs> in mm. New York when he got out of a Volkswagen bus, and I recognized him, and uh, I had the audacity to go up to him. I did pranam, and I was respectful. So he treated me uh, immediately as a as a, a member. You know, it was wonderful, and he, he was wow. spoke spoke so softly, and uh, he looked me straight in the eye and and wished me well, and it was quite an experience actually, wow. uh, lovely lovely experience. And then they hustled him into the into the center, and and that was that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't go into the center, which I should have. But uh, Raga and I um, have been, you know, I heaven knows how many Hari Krishna Maha mantras we've been involved with uh, mm-hmm. over the years from many different places and uh, it's 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 very special to hear from you because you i think you're the first person i ever met who grew up in the community mm-hmm. uh I, yeah and to hear what you said about you know as a child being being having those lovely ecstatic dances and and kirtans in your ears uh it makes me jealous you know, mm-hmm. because um, even though we know there's all kinds of controversies about these things, uh, clearly it, it worked well with you. I think in any in any sort of community, whether spiritual or secular, there's always controversies and challenges that come up. Yeah. But the essential um, 
purity of the teachings and, and practice that uh, Srila Prabhupada was coming to share, I think always remain untainted through whatever um, things ari arising from immaturity occurred over the years. And uh, I mean, we were fortunate in our community that it just happened, you know, I mean, especially when I was born, um, a lot of turbulence had already passed. After his passing in 1977, there was a lot of upheaval, naturally, because, you know, he was really at, everyone was uh, taking direction from him and taking their strength from him. And so there was so much unrest. But by the time I was born, things had settled down quite a lot. And um, so I, I was just, I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate that I didn't have really much negative experience and so um, it was it was really laying a very uh, beautiful foundation to 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 my life and um, the friendships that we were able to form you know as children growing up like that together are also so so deep that wherever we go in life when we come together again we feel like you know, you're connected through something that is on the soul level. Um, it's 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 very powerful. Mm. Mm. But but I think, um, you know, you say you feel jealous. I think there's really an advantage as well to knowing how to, how you feel without having experienced it. Because sometimes I think you can be more appreciative and more grateful. Like it's easy to also take it for granted when you've always. You, this, you know, you've never known anything else. Then you, you can never say, oh, and the first moment that I heard that sound, I just had this you know, amazing feeling. It's kind of just, it's a, yeah, it's the soundtrack to life. So I want to just say a little bit of my own personal thing about, again, around uh, the essence of what the movement is about. Mm. Uh, and first of all, Maharaji named me, and I think I told you this, Janavi, and David knows, but I'll tell everybody else. Although my name is Raghu, which is actually a nickname of my full name, which is unpronounceable mm -hmm. by Westerners, Raghvindradas. Mm -hmm. It's not that bad, I guess. Uh, mm -hmm. But um, Maharaji Nimkaroli Baba turned to me 10 minutes after that name and, and pointed his finger at me and said, Sundar Shamdas, mm. servant of the beautiful dark one, which mm. is Krishna in, mm. in his form of uh, entrancing the gopis, basically, mm. the cow herders. And um, it, it was many, many, many years. Uh, I gave that name to my son, by the way. My son's name is Sham, mm. one of my sons. And it was many, many years later that I came to realize my connection to that name by virtue of the power of of um, devotional music period mm. kirtan and that's been my one of my main practices uh, um, for all these years since the time i was in india and it and uh the a little anecdote about um one time we were in brindavan with maharaji and some of the hari krishna people came over to do some kirtan and mm. they did some kirtan, and it was fantastic. You know, they had drums and harmoniums. They had the <laughs> whole thing. We yeah. had nothing. Maharaji, <laughs> uh, they left. As soon as they left, Maharaji uh, took out under his blanket or somebody, he, he, some rupees. He said, Krishna Das, up, down, now, <laughs> get a harmonium and a drum. <laughs> 
and that was launched uh, that launched uh, Krishna as to who he is today um and and all of us as a practice of course um Mm. and Jai Jai Utah of course was already accomplished musician by that time um and so then fast forward through the years and you talked about you were born after a lot of the tumult of what yeah. had happened with uh, with the movement and well 10 years i was born in 87 so um bhaktivedanta swami passed away in 1977 so 10 years after he left so it took i think all that time for things to somewhat settle yeah. Yeah, and um, yeah. and of course in America there was some really uh, problematic stuff gone, had gone on, and yes, and yeah. there was a lot of negative publicity and so on, mm. and there was a lot of pigeonholing what the movement was, right, and uh, and fundamentalism was part of that negativity, mm. um, and we all got caught up in it as well, not mm. caught up only to the point of being um, uh, judgmental. Mm. We had this judgmental stuff going on. Mm. And I'll tell you that it was only rec- very recently for me, personally, I, I mean, David, you can speak for yourself on this. About t- two years ago, I went to a, a convention, is not the right word, <laughs> but mm. a convocation of Hare Krishna. I don't know if it's an ins- ISKCON-sponsored event or not, but I was invited by the a friend. Sadhu Sangha. Yeah, Sadhu Sangha. That's yeah. it. Yeah, in Boone, yeah. North Carolina. It's fantastic yeah. place that it's held. Mm. It's just phenomenal. Mm. And I, I went at the behest of a friend. Said, you know, I know you love this, no matter what judgmental bullshit you have in your head. I said, okay, I'm coming. So I went, and um, a man named Madhava Prabhu. Prabhu mm. Madhava? Madhava Prabhu. Madhava. Madhava. Yeah. yeah. Madhava Das. Yeah. He started singing. I was gone. Mm. I mean, he was so embodied. And I have been singing with people doing Hare Krishna at Maharaji's temple for the last 40 years, mm. uh, where they bring in the, you know, the real guys from, you know, from Brindavan, but they all come yeah. from Calcutta or, you know, somewhere. Right. 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 Uh, and I was blown away. And he wasn't Indian. He's from Africa. Right. Mauritius. Mauritius, right. Mm. And um, around the same time, because I was looking on YouTube at his stuff, I found you. Even though mm. David had never told me about you in relation to Shamdas, mm. and so for whatever reason, and I found you and uh, got lit up. And uh, also, there was a couple of the swamis that were at the convocation. Uh, Sachin Anand. Sachin Anand Swami. Sachin Anand Swami, who is a friend of Krishnadas's, so mm-hmm. we introduced ourselves and spent some mm. time. And there was a, to me, a completely different vibration, uh, mm. way more uh, open. And uh, and the things that he talked about were the th- were just absolutely essential mm. stuff. If you can't be kind towards people, forget about spirituality, forget mm. about Hare Krishna, forget about anything. You know, stuff like that. That was mm. right up my alley. And so I got completely turned around between Madhava Das and you, okay? Mm. And uh, so I'm thanking you for that because <laughs> this, this, this mantra means a lot to me. And, mm. um, and the way that uh, 
over the years, people in this movement have uh, been able to express that. I'm, I'm also very friendly with Karnamrita, and I think she's also got incredible, an incredible vibe. Mm. Um, so uh, uh, so um, I just want to say that. Um, mm. David, I don't know if you have any more to add in that kind of a vein uh, related to... Uh, uh, not No, it's a different sort of thing. I mean, I... I I'm so, um, I don't, you know, it's like Groucho Marx said, I <laughs> wouldn't want to be part of any club, wouldn't join any club that I was a part of, so I never <laughs> anything in my life, and, and probably won't. So I'm open to everything close to much. But uh, when it comes to Kirtan, um, you know, I was watching something that Krishnadas said yesterday that I'm editing right now, or working on a film with Drago about, and someone asked him about Kirtan. And he said, well, you know, there's many things you can say about it, but one of the things I'm going to say about it is that suddenly you're fine for 20 minutes, you've not been paying attention. Your mouth has been going up and down, the mm -hmm. noise is coming out of your mouth, you're saying the words, you're saying Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, but you just suddenly notice that it just went by. Mm -hmm. And that's and that return, which is also part of Buddhist um, teaching, that return is when suddenly you're there. So the the bit that's lost in the in the mind meandering, Katie's really good on this stuff, <laughs> and and he he mentioned he's so good because he he doesn't go into sort of huge esoteric depths about the meaning of the words or so forth. He just says just check out what you're doing when you're doing kirtan, mm. what's going on, are you really there? Are you not? Do you know when you're not? And do you know when you've returned? And I'd, I'd sort of like you to. To talk about that from your own personal experience, because you're you're singing this beautifully. When you're singing it, as opposed to being part of a call and response, mm -hmm. has that ever happened to you? If I could just quickly respond to what Raghu was saying, and then to your question. Sure. Um, I wanted to quickly just uh, offer my own gratitude, because actually... Um, I didn't realize when you told me that this was the day we were going to speak. I hadn't looked at the date on the calendar, but I just came from the temple this morning. We were having a celebration, and actually um, in Boston today on the Commonwealth Pier, there was a big gathering, several thousand people, um, because today is 50 years since the day that the boat docked uh, in Boston with Srila Prabhupada coming from India to come to the west and uh and share wow. this this you know this whole this whole world with us so um today i'm really reflecting on how i mean my whole life is completely indebted to that to that incredibly courageous and and devoted action that he took um at at a, at the age of 70 and you know not knowing anybody here and not knowing anybody there, I should say, and coming without without any money or really any understanding of, you know, possibility for success. Um, he was praying so deeply that um, we were actually reading a, a poem that he wrote on the, on the ship this morning. He said, my dear Lord, if you, you must have a reason for bringing me here. So if you, if you like, you can empower my words and and help people to understand this message. So please make me dance like a puppet. Make me dance. Make me dance. So, uh, you know, 
whatever whatever um, Madhava or I are able to share is is only by the mercy of uh, Srila Prabhupada and all and all of our teachers because you know we we're just little children you know we're we're, we're learning we're learning but um, it's the power of the mantra and 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 so then to your question um definitely it's a uh, singing in kirtan is is an experience that you that you mature with and i know that i have a very different experience now than i think when i was a child it's a child's experience you know you may think that oh this is really fun or like i remember uh one of the we always used to love to sing and we would dance and hold our mum's hand or teacher's hand and they would, you know, we would run up and down the temple room and it's that kind of just a fun experience. Then I remember when I was about 16 and being in the, I was in the kirtan and uh, my mum wanted to go home and she kept asking me, should we go now? And I had this strong feeling like, actually, I, I feel something here. I feel like, I, I didn't even know how to put a word to it, but it felt like something very pure and I and I liked it and I wanted to stay and it was a kind of an independent wanting to stay. It wasn't just like, because this is just what you do and my parents are here and my friends are here, so I'll just be with them. It was something something independent in the heart. And then I think I think over the years that 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 matures and um you develop a relationship with that practice, which is very which is very personal. It's a, it's a, it's a home. It's a home which exists anywhere where you start to invoke that name. You know, I've traveled all over the world, but when you start to chant, you you feel you're at home. You come home. So, um, what, what you, you were asking specifically about, you know, attention when you chant, I think, I think. Absolutely, um, each person will experience that in their own way at different times. Because of course, it, it's it's an, in the individual journey of that soul and their relationship with with. And uh, I, I guess for me, what I realize with those moments of in a, inattention or total, you know, mind just drifting to some other place and then coming back, you realize how much work there is to be done how much um how much love there is to be uh you know it's it's got to be tapped still you know it's really under the surface and we we're kind of it's like searching for for water or you know divining for water we we're looking for that real love to come out because um the whole the whole purpose of it all is to is to realize that Krishna loves us so much and all he wants is for us to love him too. And it's such a difficult thing to do because it's we're we're so distracted by so many other things. But that process of mantra is is, is cleansing and uh we can sometimes glimpse some we can glimpse a moment of, of what that what that loving relationship means. Mm-hmm. So you know what? We've been really inconsiderate in this podcast because we're talking and talking and talking and we haven't even given you all out there who are listening 
even a tidbit of Janavi. So right now, mm-hmm. we're going to play a song. And I, I picked a song, Janavi, that I really love on the album. It's called Madhava's Lullaby. And mm-hmm. you'll talk about it. Uh, but let's listen to this song, everybody, from Janavi Harrison. Like a river to the sea, Madhava's Lullaby. Shara the Chan 
Madhava's Lullaby, uh, it's an exceptional song. And, uh, John, if you just tell us a little bit about, uh, I mean, this is really a bhajan, not a kirtan, and so tell us what the words mean and so on. Well, this song is actually, yeah, it's special to me because um, I guess you could say it's kind of outside of the typical Hare Krishna uh, tradition or rep- repertoire of songs. Um as I was growing up, uh, from about four years old, I was learning the South Indian classical style of dance, Bharatanatyam. And uh, then when I was around 16, 17, I also started learning the South Indian classical uh, style of violin playing. I was already doing um, Western classical violin for many years, but I started learning Carnatic music. So um, it's something really really dear to me, the South Indian tradition. Um, So this song comes from that tradition. It was written by one of the Bhakti saints of South India called Narayana Tirtha. And it was taught to me over Skype, again, (laughs) by a lady uh, in Tamil Nadu who I was, um, she was sharing some some of these beautiful devotional compositions with me. Um, So the meaning of the song is very simple, actually. it's set in a raga or musical mode called Nilambari. And Nilambari is um, a raga that's said to especially induce sleep or, you know, peaceful feeling. So sometimes in the temple, they will play this raga for the deity before uh, the evening rest when they're, you know, put to rest. So that's why I called it a lullaby, although the meaning of the song is not strictly a, a lullaby. Um, it's just a song that praises the beautiful attributes and characteristics of Madhava, who is Krishna. So um, the the poet is saying, O Madhava, please protect me, please uplift me. And then he describes 
his beautiful moon-like face, um, his uh, his lotus lotus-like smile. He says that uh, you are the refuge of saintly people. Like this, he's he's offering words of praise. So, um, yeah, I, I I really like the simplicity of it and the beauty of the beauty of the words and then also the the instrumentation uh i i've been listening to for many years to the west african chora oh. and i and i and i just always wanted to do something with it but it's not no one i knew played one and i always thought well i always think like oh i'm not really a musician so i won't really go and find other musicians i just play with whoever i know but I happened to meet this guy that played the Cora and I said, well, please, can we, you know, try it out? And we tried it out and instantly it felt like something, something was working. So we recorded it. Mm. This, and, and that fusion of uh, cultures and mm. the bob and everything, uh, I have to tell you, represents everything that uh, we tried to do, David and I, with Triloka Records uh, mm. many years ago. That was our... That was the thrust of of everything that we brought to uh, each time we would put a, a record, mm. a world music record together. So, mm. um, yeah, this is just stupendous. Thank you. Everybody, that is John V. Harrison, Like a River to the Sea. We'll even do a little commercial here and say go to Amazon and buy that record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, or download and do it through our portal on mindpodnetwork.com helps support everything that we're doing. David, you had a I question. I wanted to quote from the song, uh, not that song, but previous song on the CD. My heart flows like a river to the sea. May it always be. River of grace. River of grace. Flow through me. And it's sung in English, uh, mm. which is great, very democratizing the purity of, of the uh, of the message and sometimes you know when you hear kirtan in English it, it can actually bring me down you know I've actually mm-hmm. oh god you know I don't want to hear yeah. that and I don't want to I don't want to go <laughs> into uh... where that is yeah. because I have friends <laughs> but uh, it's not something that I particularly love but in this case because of the gentleness and, and, and fragility and delicateness and power of, uh, and I mean, it's all very, it's not flattering, not flattering at all, because when I listen to this, um, I listened again this morning to this song, and um, it's the kind of thing that just, it does flow through you, it, it, if you allow it to, and it, it pieces you out, as they used to say 112 <laughs> years ago. Um, morning is a frenetic time for me as a rule, you know, one thing and another, coffee and whatever. Mm-hmm. And this just, it just was a, a morning lullaby, if there's such a thing, you know. <laughs> Straighten your eyes like a meditation. And one of the things I wanted to say that Rago and I have talked about frequently is, you know, it's just like in a, in a political debate, yelling doesn't work. Mm. Yelling doesn't increase power, it lessens power. Mm. And in Kirtan and Bhajan, and in all kinds of music, mm-hmm. restraint has tremendous hold upon me, mm-hmm. uh, you know. So, uh, you know, you hear, just to take it out of there for a minute, uh, when I hear guitar players in rock bands playing, you know, 19-minute solos of frenetic energy, <laughs> I know some people love that. For me, it's just dull. 
Yeah. I like it when I hear, you know, J.J. Uh, Cale or Tony Joe White mm-hmm. or Eric Clapton at his best and certainly George. George mm-hmm. Harris never played a note too many. Never. Not yeah. once. Yeah. A total taste. He was tasty. And the same thing applies on a different level in a different dimension to mm-hmm. Kirtan and Bosch and thinking. And one of the things, you, the reason that you out there should grab this CD or however you download it is because of that restraint and that flow of devotion that comes through that restraint. And uh, I highly compliment you on how you produced this thing. Uh, you did it with tracks coming in from all over, I believe. Mm. And that must have been a challenge, actually, to make it all meld. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, it was very challenging. I mean, I I really have to give a lot of credit to my dear friend, Gauravani, um, uh, who works with Mantrology. And he 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 was the producer on the record, although we only really spent 10 days on it in person. And, you know, the rest of the time it was kind of over Skype, sending things back and forth. But uh, he was very supportive the whole time, whether he was physically present or not. And that made a huge difference for me because we had worked together for quite a long time and he's had a lot of experience and we have a you know similar ear for things. So I I didn't feel like I was alone with it. And having never made something, I'd never recorded anything before, like, you know, so it was it was really a big thing that I, I I just would have, I don't think I would have done it if he hadn't uh, encouraged me and helped me so much. I I really wouldn't have done it because I, it would have seemed just like an insurmountable task and probably just unnecessary, really, because, um, you know, with, with with Kirtan and Bhajan, it's not about trying to become more well-known. I mean, of course, we want to spread it. We want to invite people to participate. But you can feel like you can just do that just as well in a live experience. So I didn't have really the um, the fire in me to make a, an album. But uh, it was thanks to to the encouragement of of him and my my mom and my friends who really were like, no, just keep do, keep doing it. I mean, there was a period in which it really stalled and dragged over many months, and there was nothing happening because I I just felt like it's oh, it's never gonna end, and it's never I'm never gonna see the light, and better just bury those on recordings on a hard drive somewhere. Um, but yeah, it was it was a little challenging. I mean, not being established, I suppose, um, as a as a musician, I felt not so connected with other musicians to help to realize whatever I was hearing in in my head. You know what I what I wanted, and I and I'm also I don't think of myself as a composer, although I musically have a lot of ideas, but I. I've never formally composed anything. So it was also a confidence thing to, to, to know that what I hear in my in my head, I, I really want that to manifest. It should manifest. Like, for instance, the, um, the third track, Govindam, um, that also features a chora and a kind of swooping, sliding cello and... Uh, it's a little, it's a little dissonant, and a lot of people expressed 
concern as it was coming together that, oh, this is a little unusual and are you sure? And, you know, there were many times when I thought, oh, I don't really know if I am sure. Yeah, maybe it's too weird and wacky. But um, it was a process of maturing and and confidence building. So uh, I'm I'm very grateful, even for the time that it took. I think it was all all necessary part of the experience. Mm. Mm. You know, the David, that song that you were talking about, um, my heart. What what's the name of the song? Yeah, uh, like a river. Like a river. Yeah. Uh, with the English lyrics. Um, yeah. To me, what's incredible about the song, aside from the sentiment and the bob and, and mm. the melodic thing is fantastic. Mm-hmm. And I agree with David uh, on the lyrics. I'm also, anybody who sings in e- English and anything to do with devotional music, I immediately <laughs> turn it off. Okay, The only person who's done it, two people have done it, and yeah. you know, and they're some of my best friends, so I'm yeah. a little bit subjective, but Krishnas has done it, mm-hmm. whether it's mo- just more poetic. But right. in this case... The, the you're you're identifying like going to Brindavan, Brindavan, mm-hmm. and seeing what's happening there, mm-hmm. and it's a bit hard to take what's happening yeah. with the Yamuna, with the river and the pollution, and just what's mm. happening in the town and so on. Mm-hmm. I thought that that was really, um, actually courageous to to put in in a song because mm. I, I I don't David did you identify that when you heard the song I mean, that was the first thing I identified. With the song, with the lyrics. No, but I, not exactly, but Brindavan uh, for me, you know, when I was there fairly recently, um, it was pouring with rain in the monsoon. The rivers, <laughs> the, the street were rivers. Oh. <laughs> so, you know, we, we had... Rivers to, of we won't say what. You mm. know, uh, it was just very difficult to get around. Mm. And, you know, to look at the... We went to the... Iskan Temple, then we went to uh, Maharaji's uh, ashram, and it was just a flood, you know. Yeah. Uh, a fantastic flood. And we were all wet through. Many rivers of grace. Muddy rivers of grace. But as Raghu said, when you, once you interpolate English, you have to be very careful because mm. the bath can slip into, you know. Yeah, uh, cheese factor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> there you go. You, I you think put, me too. I was too. Does not happen. Hmm. Hmm. Um, okay, I, I want to switch gears again here, and and I'm going to hark back to what I said before about uh, getting turned on by you and and Madhava, and uh, there was so this is what I found when I went to YouTube, and just okay, let me try this. Mm-hmm. Um, she looks like my my friend's daughter. By the way, everybody out there, Janavi and and Janaki, who is a Krishna Das's daughter, could be uh, like twins. I mean, it's kind of every time I look. I just was telling you, every time I look at you, I'm just like, oh my God, it's Janaki. Yeah. I um, never believed it until I met her. Yeah, and yeah, I, yeah. I <laughs> <laughs> that must have been something. Yeah. Uh, and um, and by the way, Janaki is a great singer too. She just mm. never somehow applied herself to it. Mm. Um, so here's the song, and I, I would love for you to sing this. Uh, this will be the first on Mind Rolling Podcast, okay? Mm. Live uh, music. And um, it's Divine Mahamantra. That melody mm. is one of the... Uh, you, you're not a composer? 
Well, who thought of that melody? That uh, that melody I learned from another wonderful and mature um, devotee and chanter called Badahari Das, who you may have encountered uh, at the Sadhu Sangha retreat also. Um, he's from, well, he lives mostly in Florida now, Alachua, Florida. Um, but he... It's kind of one of those, you know, it gets passed from person to person and it has slightly different incarnations. So originally people are tracing it back to another extremely powerful chanter called Ayendra Das, who um, was, a, was a disciple of Srila Prabhupada. And in the, I believe in the 80s, he went to Vrindavan and he decided that he wanted to... Um, fulfill Srila Prabhupada's wish to have a 24-hour kirtan going on in the in the Iskon temple there. So for um he passed away I I believe it was 4 or 5 years ago now, but basically from the 80s till then he was there every single day and he engaged many many people in keeping that going. So he was a very uh very powerful uh devoted person and yeah, we've heard him sing the melody, although it sounds a little different. So it kind of, it's like come in a <laughs> lineage. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay, so go ahead. You would like me to sing? Oh, okay. yes, I would. We would. <clears throat> Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna. Krishna Krishna Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare 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 Krishna Hare Krishna 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 Hare 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 Rama Hare Rama 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 Hare Hare Can you go on for another 10-20 minutes? <laughs> oh god that whatever melody. we have time for uh, well, I'm going to chop that out of this uh, podcast okay so that's a perfect little teaching thing for me to learn the melody which I've mm -hmm. learned it a little bit and uh, and be able to do it for myself when I go to I'm going to India by the way everybody oh, out wow. there and Janavi on Monday oh fantastic yeah so um, nice time of year to be there. Yeah, I'm going to go up. I want to. I haven't been there in a long time, uh, where I've been able to see the Himalayas, mm. the Himalayas, and they're precious, like sitting in front of the Guru, really. Um. So, just uh, we have a, a couple of more minutes, and I kind of everybody should know. Aside from this incredible voice that Janavi has and Bob. Uh, she's an accomplished uh, violin player, and uh, there's all sorts of, uh, on all of the, well, most of the tracks, there's mm. violin, and you'll be able to hear that when you get the record. Um, 
But what, what's your formal um, training uh, musically? Uh, and did you spend time in India, like with uh, training in Drupad or any of that stuff? No, I didn't. Um, I The only formal musical training I have is with violin. I started at, when I was around 10 years old learning Western classical violin, and I did that until I was about 16, 17. And then I was getting pretty fed up with it because um, I was only really playing for, it felt like, for my teacher and for a music exam to say, I, oh, I've passed this grade or that grade. But I wasn't using it for anything. I wasn't playing in any orchestras because I was very shy I wasn't playing at the temple. You know, no one really had ever really heard me play because I was just playing in my lessons. So it was around when I was 16, 17 that I started getting invited. People knew that I was learning the violin and some people at the temple started saying, oh, why didn't you come play in the kirtan? You know, why didn't you join in? And I really had no experience of that whatsoever. I, I was used to just playing from sheet music, although I hated playing from sheet music. I used I didn't really like reading music and I used to pretend that I was reading the music but I would just learn the piece off by heart and then play by ear <laughs> so so actually improvising actually felt much more natural to me and um, I started going for the kirtan I started going every week at least on Sundays and playing in the kirtan but they would ask to put a microphone on me and I would say no 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 just let me play and kind of work it out. You know, I didn't want anyone to hear my all my mistakes. So for about a year, I was playing without any microphone. So I think no one could hear except me and Krishna. <laughs> um, but that kind of grew. And then so I, I lost the taste for playing Western classical music because it felt like it had not much relation with the application that I was you know, giving to my playing. And around that time, I also discovered that violin was played in in South Indian classical music. And I found, you know, there was a teacher not so far from me. So I started, um, I couldn't drive at that time, but I started taking like a 45 minute bus once a week, 45 minutes there, 45 minutes back to take a lesson. And I was really thrilled with the, I mean, it was a new style of playing. I was sitting cross-legged on the floor, which I could totally relate to the meaning of the songs and pieces I could relate to and raga and everything. It was just, uh, it really felt right. So I did that for about four years, but then I couldn't continue with regular lessons because I started traveling quite a bit. But that's the really the full extent of my mm. formal musical training. Wow. I didn't learn, I didn't learn singing or anything, but I think, um, I think when you grow up in a musical kind of atmosphere, you can, learn so much just by listening it's so much you know you just absorb things and then it comes out yeah i there's think some music in my in my family i mean my uh -huh. dad my dad's an, a wonderful kirtan singer he's mm. very very well known at least in the Hare krishna uh world and um his in his family he comes from a christian background and a lot of his family would sing in choirs and you know play church organ and these type of things so we don't have formal musical background, but definitely spiritual, devotional music is there. Well, there's one other thing that you're not mentioning, mm. that probably you uh, you have been doing this for lifetimes, and I would say you probably go back to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and uh, you were probably hanging out with him at some point. 
And here you are in this incarnation in London and uh, as a child being put into the into the temple and just being imbued with all of this t to just sort of have you remember who you truly are and from back then I would say it's it's a fantasy but it's a, it's a big reality <laughs> as far as I'm concerned I I myself have like gone to Benares and mm. uh, and remembered a little bit of something mm -hmm. or other and uh, that is a reality um, so uh, I thank you for that Thank you. I mean, I, I definitely can make no uh, no kind of assumption that I had any, you know, illustrious past. But uh, I, I do definitely feel that um, this is not the first time that I'm associated with these teachings and this practice. I don't think, um, I think you, f you feel that if you've been connected in the past. But of course, for any of us, you know, if we're here, that means we still have a lot of purification to go through. So it's definitely mm -hmm. nothing to be proud of, but it's it also is something to be proud of because mm -hmm. we're we're connected with such a such an illustrious um, lineage and such uh, such great teachers. So I'm, I'm I feel uh, very blessed, mm. very blessed to have the to have the start that I've had. I mean. Uh, I, I, I tell people, you know, I was hearing Kirtan from from the from the womb, and and uh, even for me, the sound of Srila Prabhupada's voice, um, just the tone and the sound of 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 someone speaking from these extremely profound uh, teachings. It's like it's a sound vibration that's been present in my life for I can't it's since the beginning mm. so I'm um, yeah I'm very lucky but there's a lot of work to do mm -hmm. <laughs> for sure yeah and we're very lucky really to have you share this music like a river to the sea John of E. Harrison please uh, if anybody who's out there listening and has heard any of this uh, the songs that the the song we played and, and John Key's uh, a Janaki. I keep seeing <laughs> this has happened all through, folks. <laughs> I'm not going to edit that out. J Nathan, gonna, leave I'm that in there. That's no, okay. Because there's some kind of karmic connection. Yeah, it's the just so weird. Is, uh, to our listeners, is that uh, in my experience of working with musicians, which goes back 50 years, uh, I've never met anybody as critical as Raghu. Uh, maybe me. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, his praise um, is, is rare. And um, his, uh, you know, the, the, the fact that we both stunned by the beauty of this music. And I must say, when you stepped into that little studio in New York City with Shamdas, uh, it was just a wonderful thing. You were playing violin that night, but yeah. you were so you were so delicate. And Sham was uh, was overwhelmed in the drive home when we drove home together. And I recommend. At the end of this uh, <laughs> lyrical phrases that I'm putting together, I recommend that uh, people out there download this, get it. It will please you. It will soothe you. And uh, there's no downside. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Donavi. It was really great to spend so this time with you. And this is Mind Rolling Podcast. And please go to MindPod Network and... 
just be able to share with a whole host of our uh, friends from decades, teachers, Jack Kornfield, Joseph Goldstein, Ram Das, Krishna Das, Lama Surya Das, Sharon Salzberg, and uh, uh, Chris Grasso and Danny Goldberg. So we shall meet again uh, one day, and uh, I just want to be there live with you one of these days, John. Somewhere over the rainbow. Somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Thank you. I'm really, Radhe, really uh, Radhe, grateful. Radhe. Thank Hare you. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna.